Praise God. Okay, listen, I, I've got to move fast this morning um, while it's still morning. Um, so I'm going to need you to really pay attention. Now, just, just for my sake to know how to proceed here, and be honest, it's no, there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Who was not here last weekend and did not get to hear the message yet? Come on, let me see your hands because I need to know. Okay, I thought so. All right, so I'm going to really have to review and then we'll add on some new material and then next week we'll continue with this, okay? So I want to get us to the point by the time we're done here today, I want everybody to be on the same page as we move forward with this series. Amen? Is that a good idea or what? So you'll listen, right? Yes. So so you'll listen, right? Okay, and so when you get the point, how will I know you got the point? Amen. Okay, so you want to practice that one more time? How will I know that, that you got the point? Amen. Beautiful. Keep it up that way, and we'll go, we'll go fast. But Genesis chapter 3 is the, most dirze- the, bah, is the most disastrous event that took place in the history of mankind. Say, well, what about this? What about No, no, no. Genesis chapter 3 is the great disaster that totally infected mankind with things that you and I are still dealing with to this day. What happened in Genesis chapter 3? The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that the devil took on the form of a serpent. And the serpent spoke to Eve, and some people check out at that point, that serpents can't speak. No, today they can't. But you're talking about a period in history that was completely, we lived in a different, different totally, completely different creation. We also know that at the beginning of this incident with the serpent, that obviously the serpent did not crawl on the ground at that point. It obviously had a way of walking or something or whatever, because the punishment that God gave to the serpent was, from this point forward, you shall crawl on the ground and eat dust, which tells us that up until this point, it had not yet crawled on the ground, and ate dust. So don't discount this story because it doesn't fit into your picture of what the world is today. It's a completely different world back then. In fact, what we live in today is a garbage dump compared to the world that God originally created for Adam and Eve. Amen? Amen. Now, now the good news is we're going back to that at some point in the future. Amen. Amen? So the devil tricks Eve And he uses a form of persuasion called suggestion. And he says to Eve, pretty much, I'm going to paraphrase, this God that you worship is really not who you think he is. Because he had told Adam, you can eat of all the trees in the garden, just don't don't eat from that one. And you know what it's like when you go to the doctors and he tells you, you can't eat pizza anymore. What do you crave? Pizza. Pizza. Can't eat chocolate, you gotta cut the chocolate. First thing you do is go to the 7 Eleven and you grab yourself a Hershey bar, right? It's just that power of suggestion. So basically, he was suggesting that she was not complete, that she was somehow lacking, that she was not intact, that she was not up for the job that she's supposed to carry out according to God, okay? Now, you and I have been suffering from that same thing. See, from that point on, Mankind became obsessed with lack because the suggestion was, you're lacking. You're not complete. And so we spend our time now. Now, you might not be conscious of it all the time, 
But if you be honest with yourself and start weighing out your motives for why you do the things you do, why you say the things you do, why you conduct yourself the way you do, you will see that the bottom root is this. It's lack and fear of lack. So we spend our time thinking about what I don't have, okay? You see your neighbor put an addition on the house and you start going on the inside. How do they afford that? I can't do that. I wish I could do that. I need the extra room. You see them buy a new car. What's the first thought you have? Wish I could buy a new car. And now you start looking at your car, which really is not that bad, but you start looking at compared to what they got, and you start thinking, I'm a loser. They got a new car. I got this, this dented, broken down thing. Right? And so what are you doing? You start concentrating on what? Lack. What you don't have, what you wish you had, why does somebody else have it and you don't have it? This is what drives mankind. This is what drives wars. This is, what, this is what causes people to step on each other. This is what causes people to resort to thievery and manipulation and to try to just get whatever you want to get by whatever means. That is not our identity. That is not the way we, create, we were created. Amen? Amen? So the next thing that happens, and we see and this has affected all of mankind, because what are we talking about? We're talking about identity. But we need to find out, because we're so ingrained this is all we know, is life right now on planet Earth in 2022. This is what we know. For many of us, all we know is what we were born into. And so that shapes us, that forms us, that causes us to, to see ourselves in a specific light that may not, and we know for sure, is not the way God originally created us. Okay? Let's go to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, because this is where we see, in the very first book of the Bible, we see our identity according to God, the way he wants us to be. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now, for those of you that may not be familiar with the Bible, the reason why God is, is this terminology is used, this phraseology, let us make man in our image according to our likeness is because this is the very first introduction to the Trinity. Amen? Amen. What is the Trinity? It is the God, what, what the Bible refers to as the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one, okay? Here's the very first example of the Trinity. All right? Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So like I said last week, if this is true, and it is, then we should see within us in our true identity, we should see some of the Father, some of the Son, and some of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. That's our identity. We identify with him. Amen? Next verse. Let them have what? Dominion. Say it nice and loud. Have what? Dominion. Dominion. Now, that's not a word we use every day. We use other words that kind of, kind of mean the same thing. This word dominion comes from the Latin word dominus, where we get the word, well, the Latin word for Sunday, uh, dominus, the Lord's day, okay? This is what it's saying in the original language. Let them have lordship. Let them have authority. Let them, male and female, we'll see, let them have rulership over the resources of the earth. Let them be the administrators. Let them be the distributors. Let them be the organizers. This is the position that you and I are supposed to have on the earth. Amen. You getting this? Yes. Okay, we're going to go into some more. Uh, so let them have all dominion or lordship, mastery, rulership over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And that, that, that was a hint of the devil, that, that creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
God was warning Adam, uh, there's a thing coming that creeps. There's a creep coming. (laughs) There's a creep coming. Okay? So, this, let's deal with this dominion thing. According to God's plan, mankind, male and female, together, not separate, together, were supposed to have lordship over the earth. Now, I'm going to identify three distinct characteristics of God that we, our identity, is supposed to reflect. In the very first verse of the Bible, it says this, in the beginning... God created. You don't have to say the rest of it. In the beginning, God what? Created. So if we're created his image and his likeness, then there should be part of us should be what? Creative. Why? Because that's our identity. Then in verse 26, he reveals to us that we're supposed to have dominion, lordship. Okay? We know from, from not only the Old Testament, but the New Testament, that God is love. And so, let's go back to dominion. Let's go there first. So, dominion. Our identity is to have dominion. This is why some of us, okay, and really, when you think about it, all of us could be operating this way, but some people have the tendency to lean in certain directions than others. That's why some of us in this room, you're not satisfied. I'm going to start trouble here today. There's something in you that's not satisfied to work for somebody else. You listening to me? You'll do it if you have to. But your dream is to launch out on your own and have something of yours. That is not ungodly. That is a very godly principle. Now, listen to me. Don't go out of here and go home and go, Pastor Joe said I could quit my job. (laughs) Don't do that. Don't do that. Have a plan, okay? Because we have dominion. That means we don't make stupid mistakes. We're leaders. We're rulers. We reign on the earth through Jesus Christ. Yes or no? Yes. That's why some of us have this desire, and it's a very, like a knack. You ever know people just have a knack for business? I mean, no matter what they do, their hands, whatever they put their hands to, it prospers. Uh, some of us are very good at organizing. Some of us are very good at administrating. That's a natural identity that God gave us. Yes or no? But now watch this now. With every gift that God gives us, the enemy comes to try to twist it and pervert it. So that's why you'll find people who are very gifted as it it pertains to administration, very gifted at, you you give them a nickel and they'll start a business and by the time you know it, they made a million bucks, okay? The devil will take people like that and because they have the knack or the ability or the gifting to administrate to, you okay? You want some water? Grab a bottle of water there. That's why some of us who have that gifting within us, look at, look at, look at, see why God calls us sheep? As soon as something happens, you go, meh, meh. Look, we got to get, look, the time's going by. Listen to me. That's why, listen to me, you're going you're to get some answers here. Those of you that had been abused are going to get some answers here. That's why, that's why, when you have a person who is an entrepreneur, a businessman, a producer, an administrator, and that the devil gets a hold of them, 
And in that gift, they pervert it and become a controller, a manipulator, a seducer. Because they have this basic need to produce, they have this basic need to administrate, but it's not submitted to God. And so when you don't take that gifting and that identity and you don't submit it to God, you do damage in people's lives. Yes or no? Yes. Somebody's saying, if you only knew who's sitting next to me right now. <laughs> Controlling, overbearing. That's not God. That comes from the enemy. But you see what the enemy does is he takes something that's natural within us and just tweaks it and creates a Frankenstein. A monster. You listening to me? God is a creator. And that's why many of us, the people that run the platform this morning, the people that design whatever you see in this building, design the slides, the videos, any type of printed material, that comes from our creative team. So what gifting do they operate in? Creativity. That's why many of us, even if, even if we're not, we're not we, you don't have to be an artist to appreciate a work of art. You don't have to be a musician or a singer to appreciate our, a song. Our hearts are moved by these things, okay? Where does that come from? It comes from God. What does the devil come? The devil comes and tries to manipulate it, perverts it, twists it, makes it something that was never meant to be. And so art gets twisted and morphs into pornography. Something that we're moved by our eyes when we see something, and it puts us in a direction that's not going to end up well. That's why you hear filthy lyrics and songs that your kids are walking around singing, and you're not paying attention to what they're saying, but their mouth is hearing themselves drop the F-bomb 15 times in a song. That's a perversion of what God meant originally as our identity. Are you listening? You got this? There's many of us, we know God is love, yes or no? And many of us that we're like, the compassion of God can come upon us and we just want to do everything we can to help a specific individual or help a group of people. And so we'll, we'll, we'll pull money out from where we, well, when we need it and we need it to pay bills, but we'll pull money, money out and do this and you'll go and spend and sit, sit with someone and hold their hand while they're going through this crisis. You'll cook a meal. You'll bake cookies. You'll check up on them. That is a natural thing that God placed in us. But then the devil comes and perverts it with fear. Well, you know, you're going to go out of your way for this person, and they're going to stab you in the back just like the last one did. Oh, oh, you want to, you know, you want to help someone? Oh, you want to pay their car payment because they're going to lose their car? Guess what? Who's going to pay your car off? You need that. You got to make your own car payment. You don't even have enough to pay your mortgage this month. And what happens? Fear comes. And what does it do? It shuts down that part of your identity that when you operate in that, you walk away like, I'm so blessed I was just able to help this person. I'm so blessed I could spend time with so-and-so. I'm so blessed that we could make a meal and send it to somebody's house. That's your natural identity. But you see, it, it, if you're only experiencing those things in dribs and drabs, it's because on the inside, your spirit man knows who you are and wants you to operate in dominion and wants you to be creative and wants you to be an extension of God's love and the love of Jesus. But if you're not grounded in the word of God and if you don't see for yourself, 
oh, this is who God created me to be. You're going to only experience it little dribs and drabs, and you, won't, you will not sense that fulfillment and that contentment that comes when you operate in that. I, I, I'm telling you this because I, I know from personal experience. I'm not going to get off on a lot of stuff because we've got a lot of material to cover. But I opened my first business when I was 19 years old. I had this drive on the inside of me. Okay, even previous to that, while I was going to college, I would go to, I would go to garage sales, and I'd train myself to recognize antiques. And I, like this is 17, 18 years old, right? And I would, I would buy these things, and then I would go set them up in a flea market, not a regular garage sale, because most people at garage sales, they don't have a clue what they're selling. But I would go to the places, and I had people that knew. Are you going to be here next week? Yeah. Listen, Mr. So-and-so, I know you like to collect this, and you like to collect that. Well, guess what I would look for, okay? I don't know how I developed that, but I developed it, okay? By the time, by the time I was 27 years old, we got married. I bought, I, well, we weren't married yet, so I could say I bought. <laughs> we bought our first piece of property. God is my witness. We bought our first piece of property. I was 19. You were whatever you were. <laughs> I was 19 years old when I bought my first lot, piece of property, right in this neighborhood, just a few blocks back from here, Lake Riviera. And when we were married at 21 years old, we moved into a brand new house. You listening to me? Okay. I don't know how I did it, but it was the most natural thing in the world. Most natural thing in the world. Didn't rob the money. God gave me favor. Even though I didn't know him yet, I wouldn't meet him. By the time I was 27 years old, we owned a house, brand new house back here that we had built. We had another two-family house on the other side of town, had a business that was producing tons of money at 27 years old. So uh, I know what I'm talking about from experience. Now, I didn't realize it then. So watch this now. Watch this now, because if you're not walking in your true God-given identity, you have no peace. With all that by 27 years old, we owned a brand new house, two family house on the other side of town, brand new cars, business with money coming in. I was still the most miserable person in the world. Discontented. No matter what I accomplished, nothing mattered. Nothing mattered. But thank God, at 27 years old, the Lord put me in touch with some people who brought me to the place of bringing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to me. And I got born again, and all of a sudden, everything just went, it all came together. All came together. You listening to me? I'm teaching this here because I believe the Holy Spirit impresses upon me because there's too many Christians that are walking around. You're born again. If you were to die, you'd go straight to heaven, but you, have, you don't know what your purpose is on the earth. You walk around. You're, you're not thriving. You're surviving. You have, you have to use every ounce of faith every day to get out of bed and face your future because you haven't gone to find out what is your identity. Now, watch this now. This is good. This is different than the other services this weekend. There is the general identity, which we're talking about. Take dominion. You're, you're supposed to be a person of dominion. You're not supposed Stop saying when somebody, say, when somebody says how you're doing, stop saying, well, under the circumstances, I'm doing pretty good. Honey, you're not supposed to be under the circumstance. You were called to have dominion, which means you're above the circumstance. Because as long as you keep saying, excuse me, I don't want to hurt anybody. As long as you keep saying stupid stuff like that, the devil goes, oh, 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 oh. Oh, wait, there's one that doesn't know who they are. There's one that doesn't know who they are. 
We can get anything over on a person who doesn't know what they are. Number one, you're called to have dominion. That's your identity. Number two, you're called to be creative. Most people never tap into what they have on the inside of them, that God placed there. Number three, you are the byproduct of love. You are, if you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a child of God. God is love. Would you say that with me? God is love. Most people think, Christians, God loves. No, no, no. When you say, well, I know that God loves people. No, you're saying that God exists here and love is someplace here that he taps into. No, no, no. He is love. He loves because he is love. And any manifestation of any, any love that we experience here on this earth is a direct connection to God, our creator. You listening to me? Now watch this now. Just imagine this. Do you think your life would be different if you woke up every day and reminded yourself, wait a second, I'm not subject to the circumstances of this day. I determine the circumstances of this day. Because Jesus said, I am more than a conqueror. Jesus said that he always leads me into triumph. The Bible says that I am the head and not the tail, above only and not beneath. Therefore, with my words, I am going to predetermine what this day is going to be like. And some of you look at me like, this guy's out of his mind. Because you don't understand the power of words. The devil shipwrecked mankind with the power of words. God did not say you will die. He just doesn't want you to have what he has. And Eve went, well, that makes sense. And she swallowed it. Her husband took the same thing, he swallowed it. And guess what? Within that next generation, you see the disaster of mankind. A brother kills his brother over jealousy, over fear that maybe God loved Abel more than he loved Cain. And you see the disaster that's happening up until this day. So then God comes and confronts them on the scene. Because the Bible tells us that God would come every day at a specific time and hang out with them. They would spend time together. Could you imagine that face-to-face, seeing God? And they're so wrapped up in God's presence. They're so, so enraptured by their creator that they never even bothered to notice that they were naked until their eyes were open. And so what happened? Man became self-conscious instead of God-conscious. And you and I have been suffering from that ever since. Fear comes out of his mouth. Adam, where are you? I hid myself because I was afraid. And I said this last week, and I'll keep saying this as long as I have breath. I guarantee you, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that is the very first time that word afraid ever was released into the atmosphere of this planet. Why? They never experienced fear before. Fear was to be unknown to mankind. The enemy brought fear in. How do you know that, Pastor? Because in the New Testament, Paul tells Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. I'll say it again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and what? Sound mind. Exactly what the enemy robbed from Adam and Eve. 
the soundness of mind, stability, the ability to, to really be focused on God and not on self. And so what happens? And I'm telling you all this stuff because I know I preached most of this last week, but I, for the many of you that were not here, you need to know this. This is going to answer some questions for you. So now the next thing that happens in mankind, and understand, the book of Genesis is precedent setting. You understand what a precedent is? Precedent sets the mark. It sets the mark for future things that are going to happen. Okay, are you listening to me? Please. So whatever you see in the book of Genesis is the launching pad for things that you and I are having to go to counselors for. Okay? It's the precedent-setting thing. So what happens next? Number one, they experience fear. He hides himself. Never experienced fear before. Could you imagine what that scene must have looked like? What's this emotion? What's going on? I have this desire to hide. I don't want to be around God because he's holy, and I'm not. Fear. So they hid themselves. Next thing they do, they try to cover themselves now because now they became self-conscious. And we do the same thing with religions. That's why people sometimes have a hard time understanding, what do we mean by born again? What do you mean you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? What do you mean? Don't you have certain rules and regulations? No, 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 no. No. We have guidelines, there's boundaries. But man institutes religion so that they can justify themselves without having to kneel before God and say, you're God and I'm not. So we like when we get involved with things. We want to get involved with things. I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to do something. And we see it so many times, and don't anybody get mad at me because I'm not talking about you, okay? But many times we have people that come in off the streets and they say, uh, I want to help at the food pantry. Okay, do you come to church here? No, I don't, but I feel like I just want to do something good. Oh, so you're doing this for you. Did you catch it? So now when it stops being fun for you, you don't care anymore about the mom with the five kids that doesn't have any food in the house because now it doesn't make you feel good anymore. That's religion. Are you you getting this? That's religion. We do things that makes me feel good. makes me feel good. Okay? If you leave here only feeling good, I didn't do my job because the Word of God challenges us to change. Are you listening? I feel so good. I went to church yesterday. Well, whoop de do. Now, what are you going to do with what you heard? Oh, I have to work? I got to do stuff? Yeah, we're supposed to take an inventory and find out where we're lacking and missing and we need to follow what God's word says. I want to change, Pastor. I want to change, Pastor. I want to change. I don't want to be the same person. Okay, do what the word says. Oh, can't you just wave your hand? If I would, I, if I could, I, I would. <laughs> so so what, the next thing that happens is just as disastrous as everything else. Now, this is going to answer some questions. God says to Adam, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I told you not to? And Adam says, the woman that you gave me made me eat the fruit. Now, we laugh about that. People make jokes. Comedian makes jokes about it. But watch this now. This is dangerous. This is very serious because we've got people doing the same thing today. Okay, what do, we just, what do we just observe? The very first victim mentality. It's not my fault that I'm a drug addict. It's not my fault that I'm an alcoholic. It's not my fault that I'm, a, uh, uh, I'm addicted to gambling. It's not my fault because, you know, 
Because when I was little, this happened, I was little, that happened. Granted, granted, many of us had things done to us that we shouldn't have experienced. But then there comes a time in life when you recognize that, and you go to God and say, I know this isn't your fault. It's not my fault that I was exposed to this. However, from this point forward, I'm going to take responsibility for my actions. And I'm not going to blame, well, it was my father, it was my mother, it was my boss, it was my teacher in school, it was, it's the government, it's the church, it's the pastor, it's the, what, you, you, anybody want to add? I know, I know you're quiet, but listen to me. The victim mentality is probably the worst result that came out of this incident in Genesis chapter 3. Because there are people that are going to go to the grave, they're going to die addicted because they wouldn't take responsibility for themselves. You don't have to say amen. I'll say it myself. Amen. amen. And where does, it, where does it all lead back to? Genesis chapter 3. The woman you gave me, she made me eat. The woman turns around. God looks at her and she goes, it was the serpent. Same thing. Victim mentality. It's not my fault. Not my fault. I'm a victim. And many times we are. But once we recognize how the enemy moved against us to infect our hearts, at that point we got to go, okay, that's it. I didn't have any control over this. God, I know it wasn't your fault. But you know what? From this point forward, we start taking accountability here. And that's how a person gets free. There should have been a whole lot of amens right there. That's how a person gets free. Okay? You want to spend the rest of your life being a victim? Go right ahead. Because you know what? 99% of the times, the person who perpetrated whatever they did on you, they went on with their lives. They don't even think about you. Many of them don't even realize what they did. Okay? So are you going to let this hurt continue in your life? That's up to you. But God's there. And he wants us to have a different identity. Because I'll never forget, I met a person, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago. And as soon as I said, how are you? It took place right here. How are you? Well, my father died when I was five years old, and I had his funeral, and this happened, and then my family did, and, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm never asking this person again how they're doing. <laughs> it literally was like a written script. And what does that indicate? That indicates a person that has lived their life in that incident rather than taking on the identity of a new creation in Christ, a new person, we're born again. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. What's your identity? Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I was raised in an alcoholic household. No, I don't understand because I wasn't. But the Holy Ghost knows. And I'm sorry that that happened to you. I mean, by all means, I'm not devoid of compassion. But how long are you going to let this destroy you? And what ends up happening is when you don't forgive the person that whatever they did to you, at some point, you start doing the same things. You start doing the same things. So before you start blaming somebody, I would forgive them, let them go, Okay. But you don't understand, they, they never change. That's not your business. It's not your problem. You change. Take the poison stinger out 
and let it go. Because as long as you continue with this victim thing, it's not my fault, this person did this, if this person would have did that, my life would be different. If this person didn't do this, this would have been different. Honey, take the intravenous out. Because all, all you did was attach yourself to a bottle of poison, and every time you think about what happened, it's re-injecting into your veins. You listening to me? This is serious stuff here, okay? God wants us to walk in dominion. God wants us to, to tap into his creativity. God wants us to be an extension of his love. It's very difficult to do those things when you're so focused and obsessed with what happened to you in the past. Please don't take this as coldness or harshness. Trust me. We've all been through this. But you come to a point where you say, enough is enough. And you have to switch. You've got to take that identity out of the closet, kick it down the street, and take on who Christ says that you are. And listen, it's even more important than that. You've got to take on who Christ died for you to be. So are you listening to this? So let me, let me I, I, I got to wrap this up. Um, I want to get to a place where I really want to be here. So listen to me. Two major things, maybe three. Number one thing, to answer the question, who am I in God's eyes? Number one, you're loved. And I know that sounds so cliche-ish, but if we would grab a hold of that, if we would really seriously make that part of who we are on the inside, that we would wake up every morning, no matter what life is throwing at us, and the first thought would be, I'm loved. I'm loved by the creator of the universe. I'm loved by the guy who calls all the shots in life. I'm loved by the one who has the power to bless me, to prosper me, to empower me. To what You fill in the blanks. If we would only do that in the mornings, I'm loved. He allowed me to wake up today. I'm breathing. I'm walking. You understand what I'm saying? That would seep into our identity, and we would start to, because you know what? When you realize how loved you are, it takes a burden off of you. Yes or no? You feel accepted. You feel welcomed. You feel like you're the center of attraction in that person's life. Amen? Now, second thing, and it's tied to the first one. I am forgiven. Do you realize how many of us walk around feeling condemned? You don't even realize it. Sometimes we don't even realize it. It's affecting the way we see ourselves. It's affecting the way we see others. Just get that thing off your back. Amen? Remind me to talk to you after service about what I just said. You'll, no, Paula, you'll understand when I, when I tell you. Uh, what was I saying? You get that thing off. You get that, that thing that you've been carrying this weight of feeling guilty all the time, of feeling condemned all the time, of feeling lacking all the time, feeling like you're not enough, you're not measuring up. All the original things that that the devil said to Eve. It's It's all the same stuff. It's the same stuff. He's hitting us with the same stuff he hit her with. Okay, but when you realized, well, I'm loved and I'm forgiven. I'm free, and no matter what's the worst thing that you possibly could have done in your life, God knew about it. He's forgiven you from it. He's not going to bring it up to you. You walk differently. But like that, you see other people differently. And number three is no matter by what means you came into this world, you're chosen of God. 
You're not an accident. You're not, even, even if it's a product of, 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 I hate to go to this, even if it's a product of rape, it doesn't matter. You think that God, who knows the entire universe, he knows all of eternity, he knows everything, you don't think he knew that you were coming along at some point down the road? You don't think he knew that? Okay, give me Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, please. Ephesians 2, 10. I know I'm skipping around. I'm sorry. Ephesians 2.10. Watch this now. This is one of the greatest statements about how God sees us in the entire New Testament. For we are his workmanship. I'm going to read the whole thing, and then I want to go back to that word. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. really should say recreated in Christ Jesus for good works. Watch this now which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in that. What is this saying? Now, this scripture was written down 2,000 years ago. It's as true today as the, as the day it was written down. God says it about you. Watch this now. That word workmanship, go read it. Go, go look it up in the original language. can be described this way. We are his one-of-a-kind, custom-crafted masterpiece never to be reproduced again. In other words, this is the only one of its kind. That's what that says in the original language. Watch this now. Recreated, because we're created that way to begin with, and then Adam and Eve threw us under the bus. Mankind took on all this identity that was never supposed to be ours. Fear, self-consciousness, intimidation, lack of self-worth, self-centeredness rather than God-centeredness. Victim mentality, none of that stuff. God didn't create us that way. He created us to be a masterpiece, which God prepared beforehand that we should what? Walk in them. So every person that's ever been conceived, God in eternity past puts this plan together, specifically designed for you to walk in. But in order for you to get to that place to fulfill that plan, you can't do it under your old identity. You have to have a new identity in Christ. And that's why Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Why? Because your first identity cannot be recognized by God. He didn't make you that way. It's the new identity that your Bible gives you what you need to form that identity. You got this? Now watch this now. Now, I got to wrap this up. Say, so you said that already, Pastor. Now, here's the point I want, I want us to really take this serious now for the next six, seven, eight minutes, okay? Because this is the part I wanted to get to. I want to make sure that we are all on the same page because I'll tell you what, okay? The question right now is how do I assume this new identity. Turn around and say that to somebody. Okay, now I know if you were listening or not. Go ahead, turn around and say to somebody, how do I assume this identity? I'm so glad you asked. Watch this now. Watch it. And please listen to me. Can I, just, can I just keep your focus, please, for just the next few minutes? At this point in time, your identity is most likely made up of bits and pieces of things you picked up along the way. 
Some of us, if we really be honest and transparent, some of us took upon ourselves and made it our identity the worst characteristics of our family background. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands. The worst characteristics of our family background. Others, your identity has been formed by the cruel remarks that people made to you when you were young, when you were a child, and they still come up. More serious is some of you in this room today, your identity reflects a failed marriage, a failed relationship. To some, your identity reflects some horrible molestation that you suffered at the hands of somebody, possibly even a family member. And it's always on you. Some of you, I could say some of us, I should say really us, all of us, our identity is marked by maybe a failure in business. And it's made you feel like a loser, put you in debt that you feel like you can never get out of. Jesus wants better for every single one of us. And he meant it so much, and he went to the cross to die so that you, watch this, can disconnect from that old identity and connect to a new identity in him. But watch this now. As almighty as God is, he can't do that. Only you can. You assume this identity by coming to a place in your heart well, you have to ask yourself the question, what do I believe about this Jesus? Is he who the Bible says he is? Is he the son of God? Did he really die on the cross for my sins? Did God really raise him from the dead? Because if I believe this, and when I declare this, there's a power from the Holy Spirit that's unleashed in us that in God's eyes, you're completely disconnected from the past. He doesn't see you that way. The devil may bring it up to you. You might be in a situation where all of a sudden it triggers a memory and you go right back to that flashback, but God never does that. And it will release a power from the Holy Spirit for you to disconnect from that past and connect to your future. That will carry you into eternity. It's not just, it doesn't just affect you here. Well, Jesus wants you to have a good life on the earth. No, Jesus wants to bring you to life. Because up until this point, until we receive Christ, until we're willing to say, I believe that he's the son of God. I believe he died on the cross just for me. If I was the only person on the earth, he would have went to the cross. I believe that God raised him from the dead. I believe he's real. Until that point, you're not alive yet. We sang that song today. I was breathing, but not alive. You step into life. You step into this new identity. You make the choice to become born again, to allow your spirit to come alive unto God. And then you step into that identity. And then you spend the rest of that time, from that moment until the time you take your last breath, getting the junk out, and putting the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the power of God in. 
And then you rise up and you begin to take dominion over the things that were trying to rule your life. You listening to me? Then all of a sudden you start seeing things about yourself in relationship to God that you never thought were possible because you stepped into his creativity. Then you start having a compassion. You start, watch, watch, watch. And don't take this the wrong way. You start getting your eyes off of your garbage. You start realizing, wow, that wound doesn't hurt me as much anymore. Wow, I'm, I'm over that thing. Oh, wow, that stuff doesn't bother me the way I used to. In order to free you up so you can pay attention to somebody who's still in that realm. He wants you to have a fresh start. He wants you disconnected from the junk. He wants your mind to be free of the lies of the devil. Doesn't want you walking around guilty and condemned and no good God and I failed you again and why, why do I even live? And he wants you to rise up in new life. He wants you to show, he wants you, oh my God, this is so good. He wants to use your identity to make somebody else jealous and say, I want what that person has. I remember them. I remember what they used to be like. I remember how they, they wouldn't even come out of the house. They were crawled up in a fetal position on a couch. And now, look at them. Look at them. Look at how free they are. Look at, they're prospering. They, they, they love I want to hang around with that person because they make me feel secure. God wants to use you that way. But you have to step into that identity. He'll do it. But you have to say yes. You have to say, I want this. I want Jesus. I'm tired of my past. I'm tired of letting this stuff. Yeah, I did those things. Yes, I did that stuff. Yes, I hurt this person. Yes, I cheated. I betrayed. I stole. I Whatever. You fill in your blanks. But that's not me anymore. That's not my identity. Amen? Amen? So listen, I think I believe I've given you enough evidence here for you to make up your mind. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Do you want to keep living the way you've been living? Do you want to keep living, dragging that chain? Do you want to get like, like what was it, Marley and, 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 and Scrooge? Do you want to keep, keep dragging those chains? Because I tell you what, if you don't step into the identity now, while you're alive, you'll spend eternity separated from God. It's not my words, it's his words. You step into the identity now, or you don't step into it at all. Colossians tells us that he transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the of his of, of this of in the kingdom of the son of his love, we change identities. You cross over from darkness to light. Your spirit on the inside, who you really are, is either going to stay dead or it's going to come to life. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside you. And he takes you by the hand and goes, come on, we're going shopping for a new identity. We're leaving this garbage behind. Kick it to the curb. That's not who you are anymore. 
Are you listening to me? Pastor, what do I got to do? It's never going to get any easier than this. The Bible tells us that when we confess or declare with our mouth what we believe in our heart about the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. Your spirit will come alive. You start living. Well, pastor, I'm already alive. No, your, your body's alive. But your spirit is dead until you come to Christ. He's got the key. He has the little flicker of a flame that he wants to deposit inside you and then watch you come to life, spiritually come to life. You step into a whole different realm. Do you want that? It's a no-brainer, really, when you think about it. All it's going to take is your yes. But listen to me. You have no idea what's on the other side of that yes. It might look insurmountable right now, but you have no idea what's on the other side of that yes. And I'm going to ask you today to say yes to God. I'm going to ask you today to say yes to Jesus. Stand up, everybody. I realize that many of us are hurt in this room. And even though we're born again, we're still, we're still on the inside. The enemy still drags us back to those hurts. But I'm speaking to those of you that have never made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ, to acknowledge him as your Savior, your Lord. In other words, you've never, never submitted your life to him. You may have known about him, but you never submitted your life to him. And listen to me, church, please. You have to make this decision now while you're still breathing. Well, pastor, I believe, you know, when I die, God's going to look at all my good works. No, 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 no. That's not true. That's the furthest thing from true. Because if you get into heaven on your good works, then Jesus should be the first one to complain to God, why did I have to go to the cross if they could get in on their good works? Why did I have to hang there for six hours suffering? Why did I have to go into hell and suffer spiritually if they could get in with good works? You can't. It's impossible. So here's what I want to ask you. I want every person in this room to close their eyes. I don't care if you've been saved for 100 years. Close your eyes, bow your head. This is very personal, very sacred, very holy time. I do not want anybody distracted. I'm going to ask you this question. Do you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you want to step into this new identity of a child of God? If you do, right now, nobody's looking around. Raise one hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Pray for me. Thank you, 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 thank you. Now put your hands down. Now, one more time. Don't look. Don't open your eyes yet. If you want to pray that prayer today to recommit your life to Christ, maybe you've drifted off, raise your hand up. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All of you. Put your hands down. Open your eyes. Look at me. We're all going to say this prayer together. It's really a declaration. You're going to proclaim today your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
according to the word of God, by the time we're finished, those of you that never prayed this prayer before or never prayed it from your heart, you're going to experience a change in here. Your spirit's going to come alive unto God. You ready? Say this with me. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he came to this earth, died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe that he rose again from the dead and that he's alive right now. And Jesus hears me praying. Therefore, I say this, Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for changing my identity. Thank you for making me a child of God. I'm so grateful that I'm going to live in eternity forever and ever with you. Now, say it with me. Now, I turn my back on my past. Even the good stuff. I want to follow you. I submit my life to you. Use me any way you want. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give it up. A lot of people changed their lives today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And listen, we're out of here in two minutes, maybe less. You said that prayer. God saw you raise your hand. I saw you raise your hand. I won't tell anybody, but I saw you raise your hand. Now listen to me. Have enough courage and boldness to make a public statement with this. When everybody else is dismissed in just 10 seconds, when they're going that way, you come this way. If you raise your hand, you said that prayer, say, I don't want to be embarrassed. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. Every one of us has done this at some point in our life, maybe some multiple times, okay? But there's something about when you acknowledge what you did publicly that just seals it, just seals it, and it just shoves it in the devil's face. And I want to give you that opportunity to do that. Amen? We're also going to give you a Bible. We're going to put some other stuff in your hands because you need to understand, okay, what do I do from here? Amen? Amen. The rest of you that didn't pray that prayer for the first time, God bless you. Go enjoy the rest of this weekend. Seniors, go sign up at the desk out there. The rest of you, please come up here.